Hello and thank you for listening to Radio Radar Plus. This is episode 35 for Friday, January 29th. I'm your host Ludwig Kitzman, U.S. Editor-in-Chief of GamesRadar.com, which is Skynet. But luckily it got distracted playing video games, so we're all fine. We're all Wait, so we're all now fine. it's Genesis? Now it's Genesis with a Y? We shall not be referring to that movie during this show. I'm joined, of course, by Senior Social Editor Anthony John Agnello. Anthony John Agnello with a Y in the John. John Agnello. Well, John Agnello is one word. John Agnello. Uh, and Susan Arndt, who's the managing editor. That would be S-U-S-Y-N. Uh. <laughs> Just replace all the vowels. <laughs> Just all vowel replacement all the time. Remember the future, how terrible all vowels the are costing was in that movie? I, did, I haven't seen it. Oh, Susan, you have to. You have oh, to. It's like watching... This, this might not be a, the most relevant touchstone for our listeners at this point. We're talking about Terminator Genesis, by the way. Yes, Terminator Genesis, but public access television Ooh, oh. used to be a special sort of thing. In, before YouTube, local yeah, yeah. You know, cable providers would give a, a channel on their, on their cable... Basically to anyone in the area who wanted to pay a very small fee for airtime. And so you'd get like a group of stone teenagers trying to reenact Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Fun fact. Now my husband had oh, a public access TV show. Oh, I, I have seen it. Russ Pitts' public access yes. TV show is amazing. <laughs> that's that's one word that can be applied but, to it, certainly. <laughs> Uh, so imagine the worst, lowest quality YouTube stuff imaginable today, but then take the visual and audio quality down about five. Pounds. Oh yeah, way down. Way I read down. I read a review of Terminator Genesis and it had the funniest line that I think is so apt for that movie, which is it is what would happen if you made the Mrs. Doubtfire version of the Terminator. Oh, oh that's God. so good. Because like he's because yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger is old in the movie because he's old in real life. I guess that's what happens. Right. But they he's kind of like a comedic. It's a comedic old no. Terminator yes. who's yes. like on what? the verge of implying that he's too old for this shit. Yes, you are he's kidding me. No. Sarah Connor. He raises Sarah Connor, Susan. What? And she calls him Pops. Oh no! <laughs> and, no. And, <laughs> And everything that happens is literally like like a bunch of teenagers with a public access show got enough money to hire J.K. Simmons and then got a lot of like stock footage of promotional materials from when Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of California <laughs> and just used that footage. And he totally to has Mrs. Doubtfire hair. Oh. Well, okay, so here's the thing. <sighs> I didn't think Terminator Salvation was bad. It's just very dry. It's like, fi- it's, it's dry. It's very you know? it's very modern action movie by the numbers. Like it it right. definitely does not have the character of either of the first two Terminators, but I didn't hate it. Right. Genesis it, also it, just doesn't have good action sequences. It doesn't even do that what? right. What? Oh my yeah. god. Genesis has nothing nothing So okay, okay. Now now we're thick in this and I apologize everybody. This is a video game it's show. Late, it's too late. We're it's too late. We've already gone off the tangent. We're in. This this is a real a real scene. So oh God. Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor are like they know that they're supposed to bang. Okay. Like they, they know it, but they're back in nineteen eighty four and they're very resentful 
that the the universe is demanding that they go to the bone zone. And so <laughs> it is Jai Courtney, is, so th- there is a Oh wait, I got to look up that guy. Oh yeah, he was also up. in a terrible Die Hard movie. Terrible Die Hard movie. Probably the worst one oh, actually. Oh, he's he's oh, the yeah, guy from yeah. the uh, Divergent movies. Okay. Oh, yep, yes. And so there is a a scene wherein they're preparing to travel through time together and since this is the Terminator, people can only time travel uh, in the raw. So they're of in course. a locker room for some reason. There's just like randomly a locker room in this abandoned warehouse where there's their time machine has been built and they're getting undressed and Kyle Reese is looking at a backlit silhouette of Sarah Connor undressing. And I shit you not, the profile of her looks as exaggerated as Jessica Rabbit <laughs> in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, there's nothing human about it. It's... Like, you expect raunchy jazz to start playing. It's just embarrassing. And 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 Sarah Connor is is Khaleesi from Ga- Game of Thrones, right? Not yes, yes. Not a a curvy lady. No. No, she, I mean, she's and a, a very, very attractive lady, certainly. An attractive lady, and athletic, but she also looks like she like is eighteen. She tops. does. She does. She like she, yeah, yeah. Like she she doesn't look like somebody who's like like oh man, I'm super intimidated by you because you're a military leader. I look at her and I'm like your sophomore class production of a Tom Stoppard play was really, really good for your age. That's what I think. When I see like, Khaleesi Khan. You were Rizzo in Greece, weren't you? <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow. Right. Rizzo in Greece, but wearing her mom's old leather jacket right, two right, sizes right. too big. Right. Oh. That whole thing. So that's, so that's the movie part of the show. There you go. We covered. <laughs> we are we're an entertainment I know, website. I know. Dude, you know? I will talk about TV and movies all day long. We can talk about uh, Stephen Moffat leaving Doctor Who. Praise God! If you want, we can yeah. go down that route. We can talk about uh, how much the X Files sucks. It doesn't do suck. You're wrong. It doesn't uh, suck. No, I'm totally stop, right. It's stop awful. right there. Oh, With maybe a, not- Susan, you want to talk about a new video game? I can do a that. A new video game, and it's called. The witness. Yes. So, okay. I was not I was not going to play the witness because I wasn't sure like I love puzzle games. I love mm-hmm. uh, Professor Layton and you know the room. I love them. But the thing that's very key about most puzzle games is that there's variety. So that if there's one kind of puzzle that you don't particularly like or you're not particularly good at, that's just a minor point of the game. And the witness is all mazes of various stripes like various variations on the maze theme, it's the basically. the maze deep dive it is a deep 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 dive into mazes and i didn't know if if that would be right for me but everybody keeps talking about it and then someone said it it is it very much evokes the feeling of playing riven and i mm. loved riven so i was like all right that's mm-hmm. it i'm in i have to so I started playing it, and first of all, it is a, I totally get the Riven reference. It's that kind of otherworldly, beautiful, quiet space that you're walking around, and there's a feeling that it's very ancient, and that you're, you're just walking through, uh, you know, the, the, this ethereal kind of mystical, mysterious, 
really pretty, pretty, pretty environment. And then every so often there's a maze that you have to solve and it might unlock a door or it might, uh, you know, lead you to another maze or what have you. Okay. I'm not that far into it, but I'm already, I, I have a, a personal issue with it because it's very freeform with, with the exception of like the very, very, very beginning of the game in which you, it is, it is quite linear. After that, you go wherever you want. You can, you, you want to go left, go left. You want to go straight, go straight, whatever. Doesn't matter. And there's no map. And there's no, like in Riven and in Mist, the areas are, are very nice and sort of clearly set apart. Like this is the this part and this is the this part. And you know how to get from one to the other. And I just, I'm just lost constantly in the witness. I don't know where I am. I don't know where I'm going. Like I got, I unlocked a door. Like I, it was this, I, I did the tutorials and the tutorials are very, very clever. It's a really smart way to teach you the concepts you need to figure out how to do all these different mazes. Like certain mazes, you might have to form shapes with the lines you use to go through the maze, for example. Uh, in other ones, uh, you're, you're actually guiding two lines to the exit at the same time. Stuff like that. Really, really smart. So I finally opened this door and I unlocked a chest and there was a, a drawing in the chest. I'm like, okay, this is going to be important. And I looked all around and there was absolutely nothing that I could see that had anything to do with this drawing. So now I'm just like wandering around the island trying to figure out what this drawing has to do with anything. And I don't know. And it just makes me feel like it, there's... I like things to be organized and tidy, mm, and this mm. is not. And you know, the funny thing is, is I, I, I have never been the guy who liked, you know, Riven mm -hmm. or Mist. Uh, it, it's just a sort of type of confusticating game that doesn't totally appeal to me. Sure. However, both of them are very contained experiences. Yeah. You know? Uh, like, you're not getting lost in the actual physical space of those games. Right. It's not part of what you're doing. You're getting lost in your own head. Yeah, yeah. Trying to throw yourself against, you know, the lore and, and concepts of the thing. But you're not getting lost in the space. And it's hard to make a game where you get lost and that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, like I, I think I think a lot of people really, really, really like things like Fallout or Skyrim or you know the Souls games because when you do get lost, it there's a sense of discovery mm -hmm. that even if you even if you are doing something that's ultimately going to like shatter your progress, you still feel like you're moving forward. And I, I'm sure Jonathan Blow would sit there and tell you that that's why those games suck. Because it's like, you know, a false sense of accomplishment right. that you're making progress. But at the same time, you know, you don't you don't want to feel like you're fighting against the thing to enjoy it. Well, even a game like Fallout does have some direction and some gating to some degree, right? Like in terms of levels sure. and like yeah. how difficult the enemies are and how you're progressing as a character. So there is some forward momentum there uh i haven't played the witness yet susan but is there anything like that tells you you're now more equipped to deal with nope 
certain other part of the island, for instance. No. <laughs> okay, so here's the, here's what what I think might might be what some people are worried about when they play the game, and that is, you could spend some time trying to figure out a puzzle uh, that you have not, and you haven't done a puzzle that is supposed to have taught you how to figure yes, out the next one. Yes. Yes. So in which case you're kind of just beating your head against the wall. Yeah. Um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I I am a big fan of adventure games, and a lot of the times you do really just do better by taking a break and coming back later and having rethought it. But um, maybe this is a case of uh, anti handholding, right? Like maybe it's too far in the opposite direction of the game just letting you do whatever. I mean, it's I I understand that a lot of people will enjoy the fact that you can just wander around and wherever you end up, there's probably a puzzle, and you can probably tackle it yeah um assuming that you have you definitely do need to do those those tutorial puzzles which are always nearby to whatever they refer to so you can mm-hmm. find them pretty easily uh, but yeah but by and large you can go wherever you want and, and and do that but for me not having a map and not having a good sense of of progression is very very frustrating far more frustrating than not being able to solve a puzzle like right. i'll figure out a puzzle eventually you know i'll i'll work at it and like that's that's part of the pleasure for me so but just this me, yeah were you a braid person i were hated braid. braid i i see that's what i thought i thought you hated braid. yeah but you love puzzles i do like you love the room yep and the whole series of room games on ipad mm-hmm. so what what is the difference? Like, say, like, somebody like, says to themselves, I love puzzle games. Mm-hmm. I love The Room 3. I love that sort of thing. What, what would you tell them to, like, be wary of in going into The Witness and something like Braid? Like, what is, it, what is the defining difference between these things? Well, I mean, this is the thing. You say puzzles. Puzzles is a very, very... Br- it's like saying sports, right? Right, like, exactly. Totally, totally. Sudoku is a puzzle. But right. that's certainly far different than uh, something like, you know, shifting blocks to, right. to, to free a key. Yeah. Very- like, I love, I love Portal. I love right. the Portal games. Right. But I don't like crossword puzzles. Oh, or interesting. acrostics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and I, like, those things all fall under that category of puzzle. Yeah. So, so, so. I mean, like... I mean, the the witness is it's just mazes, and they're very clever mazes. There are very there's lots of different iterations on the maze. It's very very smart in that way. Um, if you don't like mazes, you won't like the game. Even if you love puzzles, you won't like the game. And it's there's there isn't really a narrative. There's yeah. sound clips and stuff, which are Jesus, they're pretentious. Oh my God, make it stop. <laughs> There's so, oh my God. What kind of pretentious? Okay. Here's, here's one I found yesterday. It is a quote from the 1400s. Oh boy. About a guy talking about God who is both visible and invisible. You are invisible in that you cannot be seen. But as the creature who perceives you understands that you are there you are visible but you are invisible like five minutes of this do you guys remember celebrity deathmatch oh yeah tv show with the claymation claymation versions of celebrities would fight each other i think 
I would kill a man in order to get an episode of Celebrity Deathmatch where Jonathan Blow and Peter Molyneux had to beat the crap out of each other. Oh, Peter Molyneux is lovely. But but yes, but I want Jonathan Blow busting out a 14th century quote about the tangibility (laughs) of God and Peter Molyneux like having him in a headlock repeatedly punching him in the face and talking about the emotions of watching an acorn grow yeah, okay, fair. over over a lifetime. I, I, I okay. that's all. I'd rather I see Peter Molyneux versus David Cage. I was gonna say David Cage versus Jonathan Blow. <laughs> no, David, David, David Cage. Let's make it a three way. Out with the folding <laughs> chair to interrupt. It's a the crying, a match. crying folding chair. <laughs> Emotion, emotion. Um, right. But so the the thing about uh, so if I go back to Braid, mm-hmm. I think Braid is a, a fantastic game. I think it's a brilliant game, um, and I especially enjoyed playing it while I was uh, recovering from having my wisdom teeth removed. So Ooh. I was playing it on some interesting stuff. But besides that, um, I would describe it as smart and clever and all these things. But words that I would not use to describe Braid are things like warm, mm. funny. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like they, those games are, I feel like they're so clever and it's so easy to appreciate them from that perspective that uh, it actually hurts their personality. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think one of the things that is hurting the witness, at least for me, someone who has not really played it, I intend to play it, um, is that I don't really see a personality in it. Like it's very abstract and I, and I understand is. that it's going to be, you know, this really fantastic cerebral challenge, but... I feel like it's it's not there's not going to be much emotion attached to it besides aha I figured it out or screw you tile puzzle I hate you right I'll come back later to you the, right? the only other emotion you'll feel is <clears throat> wow this is really beautiful the environments yeah. are gorgeous mm. but no there's no like I I feel a far more interesting range of emotion playing Tharsis than yeah. I do playing the witness, right. and they're and, both yeah. puzzle games. Yeah, and like I mean, you don't, and not every game has to have characters or story. Sure, like I mean, sure. we've 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 got so many different kinds of games, and some really do work without having any characters at all. Oh yeah, and I'm sure this is the best for the witness, and this is what the designer is best at. But you know, you you can't go into every game expecting to love it in the same way, even if it's really good. You might not love it because that is an emotion that you would reserve for something you know that's a little. That's a little more lively, I guess, in some ways. Yeah. And the other problem is uh, $40. It costs $40. Oh, I know, yeah. Which, uh, if you are on the fence and you're not really sure whether or not you will enjoy the game, that feels like a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is, for sure. Yeah. Like, the the experimenting with a game like that at 40 bucks feels like a lot. Even though it does have, you know, a huge amount of puzzles. This is the thing. If you end up liking it, the $40 is a very reasonable price. Because it is huge. But it's just so... They really... What they really, really, really need to do is put out a demo of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that people understand, okay, this is what the gameplay is like. And I either like that or I don't. Because $40 is just way too much for something that is such an unknown thing. You know, I don't... I, I, like it's not like we have any kind of insider information and this isn't a declaration that this will definitely happen but I feel like where this game is really going to find its audience is the moment and I think that this will happen very quickly that it goes to PlayStation Plus mm. and Xbox Live games with gold and through Steam sales 
and you know like it is it is going to these other platforms I, I you know i don't think in the immediate future but i would not be surprised if we saw the witness as the playstation plus game of the month by april may like very soon into the lifetime of this game and like i you know i wonder if i wonder if that's part of the thinking for why they made it so expensive like obviously like this game took a monumental amount of manpower to make over a very very long period of time and so it needs to be priced accordingly yeah. you know that's that's the nature of the beast it is a huge game it is a very huge high quality game so it has to be expensive but if you're just selling it for money dollars and you're relying on that first two weeks, and you know in that first two weeks the people who are going to be buying it are, you know, people who play a lot of video games. I think you have to make it that expensive and, you know, rely on the fact that later on the word-of-mouth audience will will carry it through to new players right. when it's more accessible through a variety Plus of Plus, it's, it's actually doing the things that we usually ask for other games in the same price bracket to do and they don't which is be focused and be yeah. about what you say you're about mm-hmm. and not just like cram in a bunch of variety and different things because that's the expectation right like the game is very uh non-traditional that way yeah. so that's cool that's a good thing there are no there are no costume packs in the witness right and like there's past. no like xp <laughs> you know progression systems and a hub thing and whatever get the witness there's no loot now. there's no crafting yeah there's no crafting that's like i pay 40 dollars to have crafting removed from some games i like crafting i don't Bloody, understand don't why you, you hate crafting there's going to be extra medieval text if you get the season pass <laughs> won't, there be, won't there be more apocryphal passages okay you know you you know what would actually make which would be what would be the best microtransaction for this game for a dollar or five dollars or whatever you get a pass instant i love that instant solve like in like in uh professor layton like in professor layton that'd be great no i think for five dollars you should get omo chow from the Sonic Adventure games to float <laughs> next to you and go, hey, did you see the puzzle over there? Go over to the puzzle and press A. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've noticed that you haven't tried a puzzle yet. Oh, my God. Oh, my child is the worst thing ever made. So, so speaking of Sega <laughs> and, what? Paying for, and speaking of for paying $40 to have crafting systems taken out of games. Oh, boy. Uh, I just recently played something, and like when you said that, Luddy, is what made this pop in my head. I want to see this feature in every game. Okay. In Yakuza 5, mm-hmm. there is an option right when you start the game, and it will say, do you want to turn on automated skill point allocation? Oh, yeah, sure. And it's just there. And like at the end of the day... There's really, you know, you're not talking about uh, a freaking Skyrim build character where you need to worry about all of these different little things. Like, you're just building up, oh, do I unlock this special punch or more health now? And I hate stuff like that. I hate it. It's just so, like, it's just tacked on busy work to make you feel like you're doing something. Like, I would, 
like Shadow of Mordor. Why is there all this skill tree crap in Shadow of Mordor when you're just going to unlock them all anyway? And I love the idea of games just being like, don't worry about it, it's there if you want to fiddle with that crap, but if you want to just turn it off, we'll take care of that for you. I, awesome, I would pay for that. I have crafting systems and skill point allocation ripped right out. Okay, first of all, you're a horrible human being. But secondly, <laughs> uh, I do appreciate it in RPGs if, and only if, you have the option to respec at any time. Yes, absolutely. Uh, completely agree. Yeah, I, I really, I, I do dig that. There was, God, what, what it was Nino Cooney. Uh, I was just like, you know what, just, just figure out what I need to do. And I just had to figure out what I needed to do. And that was like, yes, great. Because it's a very complicated, <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, but then Nino Cooney lies to you and tells you that you need to grind levels for 55 different monsters yeah. for 55 hours apiece. Which is not true. Oh. You is don't that, need wait, to do is, that at all. Is, is Nino Cooney the one with the web? Or am I, am I no, misremembering Nino, that? Nino Cooney is the one with... <clears throat> Nino Cooney is the, the beautiful animated one where you collect pocket monsters. Oh, no, no, no. I don't mean the game. I mean the skill system. The one I'm thinking of, it has like a web of skills. Gosh, which game is that? Final oh, Fantasy X? No, 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 no. It's, um, it's, um, That's it's, um, a sphere grid. Everyone it, knows that. Tales of Zillia. <laughs> Tales of Zillia. Yeah. Oh, very different game. Yeah, very yeah, yeah, different yeah. game. Great game. Awesome game. Don't know about the second one, but the first one, love it. Yeah. Uh, what was the one that just came out on PS4? Zestiria? Tales, yes. of, Tales Zestiria. of Zestiria. Yes. I, yeah. I normally don't really enjoy Tales games, but I dug Zillia a lot. A lot of people say that. Uh, I, I Zillia is the one to play. I did um, Tales of Symphonia, and I didn't really care for it, but once yeah. I played uh, Tales of Vesperia, I really liked that one. That oh, one's yeah? pretty good. Okay. Yeah. What, which, is that a PS3? It was the one that was briefly exclusive to Xbox 360, and when it came oh, out, okay. when they announced it for other systems, people like uh, posted Riot. pictures of them destroying their discs in of anger. Of course they did, because... Because they bought an Xbox 360 in Japan to play that game. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> Um, so I've been playing uh, the Division. It just it is currently undergoing a beta test. Okay, on now Xbox tell me one and PS4. Here's here's why I want to know about this because it keeps getting compared to Destiny, and I mm-hmm. I love me some Destiny, but my problem with Destiny right now is I don't do PvP at all. I only like PVE, and I'm out of it. I'm done. I've done everything in the game. So I'm wondering if the division, and I know a lot of people are, are going through the same thing I am right now. Like they don't really care about the Crucible, and they've done all the quests, so they're like, eh. So I'm curious if the if the division will scratch that same itch. Um, I think it will. I think it is. It's basically if you removed space and just put the division on Earth, and you were a regular person. Hmm, okay. Because the way that the game is structured, I think, is very very similar. It's uh, it's. Uh, it's a little more overt about its RPGisms, I would okay. say. Um, so it's it's set in New York City, and it's it's like it's winter and it's it's very dilapidated now because the world has basically been wiped out, or or at least New York has uh, by a plague that started with gross, disgusting cash. Right. Uh, and I think Wait, it breaks. What? Yeah, like gross? it's it's yeah, like some kind what? of some money. kind of disease money. that is spread through money. Oh, weird. Yeah. Well, money is disgusting. Yeah, right, but it, it happens during a, a Black Friday. Basically, there's an outbreak, and that's what destroys our our social infrastructure. Um, and 
basically you're you're recruited into squads that are trying to sort of rebuild society and uh, one of the ways that in which you do this is having a base of operations and each uh, you have different areas in this space such as the medical wing and the medical wing will research possible cures and you're trying to build up this base so that it can actually make a difference and, and help the situation which is very lawless and uh, you know it's it's basically like it's Mad Maxian mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or Escape and from New Yorky exactly not Escape from LA ish though oh god we didn't no. talk about Jesus. that surfing no stop it <clears throat> stop it um, I only just saw Escape from LA for the first time <laughs> uh, a few months ago and it was amazing oh stop okay stop how'd you like that uh, CG earthquake at the it. beginning it's pretty stop it anyway. Pretty Anyway, uh, so you, you, you basically, it's a third-person shooter, it's cover-based, it is, uh, it feels very weighty, it feels kind of like, a, I don't know if you if you played much of Watch Dogs, but the shooting feels very similar, and that was actually one of the really good things about that game. Um, you carry three different weapons, uh, one is a sidearm, and one is, uh, you know, a secondary rifle, you hold the button to switch between two, or you tap the button to switch between the other two. Does this sound familiar yet? Mm. Uh huh. And uh, you basically earn XP, and you upgrade your character with different abilities, and you apply different. Uh, you can you can respec at any time, which is very cool. Oh, you can respec cool. yourself, uh, but you get abilities like throwing sticky bombs, or sending out a pulse that highlights enemies behind walls, or creating a healing field. And basically, the game is is very positioned around the fact that you will be wanting to uh, put all your friends in a squad. And roll out and roll out through New York and collect stuff and go into dangerous areas so that you can come back with loot and crafting materials so that you can upgrade your weapons and upgrade your base and upgrade your character and uh, keep going at it again. And it, it feels very much like Destiny. It feels much more uh, contiguous, though, and because in that you're not warping to different planets and stuff. You're just okay. walking through the city, which is very large, and, and there's no loading in between the different areas. Um, so I like yeah, that I part that of it. We- it feels like it feels grounded and like you know exactly where you are at all times like i like that part of it and it feels very fluid and the shooting is good um my only problem with it really is that it feels like it's like this proposition to lose a lot of time again that's (laughs) not a bad thing it's not a bad thing i I mean i totally agree but like i just feel like that if you've already put a lot of work into getting at us to a certain point at destiny yeah it kind of feels like you'll have to start over in a game that's very similar right. somewhere else from okay. scratch. And like even though it's fun, I'm not sure that it is fun in a way that is different enough. Because like both of these games are super hinged on the way that they're structured and the way that they keep you coming back. Um, I don't think the shooting is as fun as Destiny because like okay. I said, it's, there's not there's no aliens and weird things to shoot and you can't jump around and warp and shoot so lightning. So are you shooting infected people? Or like bandits? Bandits basically. Okay. Okay, and so like, okay, so you're like you're at your hub, which I assume you build up with resources. Yes, and sometimes you'll have to complete quests to okay. get certain characters into, like, so to okay. re- recruit like a doctor in for the medical wing, for instance, so that you can unlock new missions that are related to gotcha. upgrading the right. the medical wing. And then you go out into the world and you do the quest, and and that nets you experience and loot, and then you bring that back. Yeah. Okay, and then the dark zones. That's strictly pvp areas do you have to go into them i don't think you have to but they they are very upfront by the fact that the best stuff yeah. is going to be in the dark zone and the dark zone is essentially the crucible in that bunch of uh you know a whole bunch of people who are in teams go in there 
try to find stuff. There are there are enemies to take down, and you have to extract yourself at the end. So See, the team has to escape with your stuff. But while you're doing that, another team might be opportunistic yeah. and take you out. So that's a really cool idea, right? I really like that idea, and I really like the fact that you can turn on your team members. Yeah. Like, you can go, you know, guys, it's been great. I didn't I'm know go- you that well, so... So I'm going to shoot you all in the back now. Bye! I, I, I just think that's, that's <clears> really cool. When you do turn on other players, though, the game flags you as a rogue. Mm-hmm. And... It alerts mm. the entire, like everybody playing, to your location, and if they take you out, they get sweet loot. So, like, oh. yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a cost. That's an interesting dynamic, right? Like, uh, uh, Joe Scrabbles <clears throat> was playing, and they his team tracked down this guy who ha- was flagged as a rogue, and he was hiding in the bathroom. And it's it's on a timer. It's kind of like your wanted level in GTA, and he was just trying to ride it out just trying to ride it out and like they get there and there's no chat but he's he's signaling to them like look yeah because there are ways to kind of accidentally become a rogue like you know you accidentally shoot somebody or you you do it's like ah crap so he's signaling to them like look i'm not trying to take you out i'm not a cowboy just just let me run out my timer and they're like yeah i get you but you're a loot filled pinata so bye bye (laughs) And that aspect, I think, is really conceptually fun because it adds a new layer to the, your, your typical team-based PvP. But yeah. it also, I'm really worried that it lays groundwork for really, really jerk players to be really, really yeah. jerk players. I, that seems like the kind of thing that even if there are super jerky players, that the development team can you know, ameliorate that sort of behavior fairly quickly, right? You have to, I mean, it's not like they don't know people are going to do that, so. Of course, of course. And, I, you know, like, I can imagine that, you know, a huge part of the beta right now, just before the game comes out, is about, like, all right, so that day one patch that's definitely going to happen. Right, 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 right. What are we going to be able to tweak so that people just aren't horrible to one another? Right, yeah. Um, and the other thing that, that's interesting about it is I, I actually like the, uh, the the odd direction of it and like the, the visual style of it. It's it's supposed to be quite realistic, um, but it's not it's not post-apocalyptic in the sense that you know aliens have invaded or like there was a war or anything like that. It's really it just looks like abandoned. It's this mm. incredible metropolis of New York City abandoned and people just left like they just left their shit and they're gone. Luddy, can you and it's can you tell me like a little bit more about the New York because I feel like. You, know, you were talking about how, for anybody that looks at this and says, well, I love Destiny, but I don't want to climb back up the progression mountain with a brand new game that's setting me to zero, it seems like the setting would really be what sells that to people. Yeah. And I know that Ubisoft has really... No, Ubisoft. 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 Ubisoft has really emphasized the the realism and scale and one-to-one nature of the New York City. And, like, I, I didn't really get a sense from your description if that was, you know, enough of a draw. Like, it just sounds like it's it's kind of very, very big, but very, very drab and scary. Um, I mean, it, it, it conveys a kind of authenticity in a way. Like, it's not, it's not New York, as you know it. It's not hyper-realistic because it's been ruined to some degree. Like, the, art, the artists went in and ruined New York a little bit. And that somehow makes it more authentic and believable because it's not, 
it's not the Uncanny Valley effect where it's like, well, mm-hmm. New York doesn't quite look like that because neither does the real one now. But you can imagine it looking like this uh, following um, an outbreak of this kind. So I think the, the, the environment actually ends up uh, dominating the, the, the draw of this game to the, in the sense that if you're coming from Destiny and you don't like perhaps that Destiny is a little more twitchy, it's a little more fantastical, it's a little more bouncy. Um, whereas this game is more tactical and it's more slow paced and it's more serious. But um, the weird thing about it, I think, is is even though it looks very realistic, if you shoot someone in the head with a weapon that's not the best, they'll just they'll still be there. You'll do extra damage, but you know the number will pop up above their head and uh, you'll still have to keep going. And that's like that's a, an odd disconnect for this game in particular because it's not cartoonish. But they're still so adamant about showing you, listen there's an RPG underneath here. Even though a lot of games that don't claim to be RPGs would actually calculate damage in exactly the same way, right? Like, it's like, the, the, they're, it's sort of a confidence thing about the game. It's like, you, you, they want you to know that it's a role-playing game. So here you can see the dice rolls, essentially. Mm. Um, and that's, that's just like a product of games coming from like a, a Dungeons & Dragons uh, origin where you would have to play with rules and imagine most of what was happening, but the rules governed uh, these things because you couldn't, and you couldn't even do it in a video game at certain points. That's why, like, there was still like turn-based combat because you couldn't just run around and do a crazy attack, and uh, the, the controls weren't allowing you to do that. The graphics weren't there to convey that. But now you can do all of that stuff, like just precisely shooting someone. You don't need a dice roll to determine whether or not you hit them. Um, but we're still left with that sort of system underneath that has to determine whether or not you got them right it's kind of it's kind of an odd thing that's happening in video games it's it's strange i just like hearing hearing you talk about this i just don't know who this game is for it's for people like this thing it's people who like want to play a huge rpg with their friends and shoot stuff and get better weapons but they have destiny sure yeah but not everybody enjoys destiny yeah this is a very different flavor of the same kind of thing basically i mean that's like saying oh okay well we have call of duty we don't need any other any Mm. any other military shooters or we have madden so we don't need any other football games right like but we don't have any other football games well that's you know that's a bad example because that's licensing and stuff but you know what i mean yeah i i guess i guess when when i when i think about it i just i i almost see like Ubisoft just keeps pushing to get people into one of these persistent worlds and they never get it quite right. Like last year it was the crew. The crew oh, was going to be the one. Oh, yeah, but that was also they, driving, you know, like I feel like this is this is like the most comprehensive and polished attempt at that that they've done. Like it's I think it's very competitive with Destiny. It's just not uh, it, it really depends on wh- how you feel about your shooters like do you want them to be realistic and grounded and slower or do you want right. them to be fantastical and like halo and where you're just like jumping around and shooting space wizards you know yeah, and I, the it's nice thing to, is, it's is nice to have is, both yeah there's a there's more space for the realistic shooter now mm. because not even call of duty is that anymore call of duty oh, hasn't true. been that for years now Call of Duty hasn't been a realistic shooter. Yeah. Uh, you know, hell, what what Black Ops was, what, 2010? 2011? Like, it's been a half decade of increasing absurdity in Call of Duty games. So, yeah, there's definitely space for something that feels a little bit more grounded and real. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I just... 
Like, Ubisoft just put out Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, okay, yeah, but it's a totally... Those are two completely different play styles. That's It's a completely different play experience. Like, you could solo... Uh, the division. You could go in there like that's, and that's one of the one of the great things about Destiny is you don't have to team up with. Fr- I mean, it's better if you team up with friends, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But you can go in and play, and just whoever is there, play with them, and have a really good experience that way. And the division is very much that way as well. Like whatever randos you end up with, you kind of do that sort of. Are we allies for now? Are we not? You know what I mean? And that'll work. Whereas. Yeah. Rainbow Six, yeah, no. <laughs> that's, that's not going to go that way. <laughs> when does somebody make an online shooter that's just called Rando, and <laughs> nobody's, like, nobody's allowed to form clans or teams or anything, but it's just you're always playing against somebody... And even if you team up against an AI enemy, you just like like there's an algorithm in there that makes sure that whoever you're teamed up with seems to be messing up somehow, <laughs> and you hate them. Now I just want to make my online name Rando. Rando. <laughs> Rando. Rando Calrissian. Well, Rando I was gonna Calrissian, say that, yeah. but then like it kind of sounded racist to me in some ways, and I was no. like, I'm not gonna do it. Stop. <laughs> there's nothing. Marlin Rando. Oh wow, Ooh, that's a good one. That's yeah, like really, that. but it has that to be one. spelled like Marlin the fish. Oh well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel pretty good about that. One. Uh, pretty good about Anthony. That one. What have you been playing? Is it something recent that just recently came out on a modern <laughs> video game console? <laughs> Everybody, well, let me tell it, you a it, little bit it, about Star Wars: Shadows of the Empire for Nintendo sixty-four. Uh, uh, no, 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 no! I, I, I've been playing a bunch of stuff that that is very contemporary. So the one that I will focus on because it is brand new and relevant to everybody who is uh, on this podcast is I started and finished Resident Evil Zero HD. Oh, okay. Uh, I went the distance with it, and this game was fascinating to play because I, like the two of you played through and completed Resident Evil HD, the remake of the original that came out almost exactly one year ago. And so I like I was very excited about Zero HD because I like the the work they did to modernize that resident that version of Resident Evil last year was spectacular. I love the new controls. Mm-hmm. I love the new presentation. They streamlined it in just all the right Ways. It changed my opinion about that game. Yeah, and it changed a lot of the people's opinions about that game. And I, I was excited to play Zero because I adore classic Resident Evil. I love all of those games. I love 1, 2, and 3 and Code Veronica. I just, I love that style of survival horror with, like, the fixed perspective and, and yes. you know, when think. And yet, and yet, and yet, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, and you like hated the evil within. That's the worst. It's the worst <laughs> game. It is it's the worst game of all time. It really is. I hate the and like the evil within. Like the evil within is like the perfect, the perfect example of like how badly that style of game can go. Like freaking Jaleco's 
carrier for Dreamcast is better than The Evil Within. Still, to this day, The Evil Within is... Like, like Alone in the Dark, the new nightmare for Dreamcast is a better game than The Evil Within. The Evil Within oh. is awful. You can go so wrong. Resident Evil Zero HD is not that bad, but it's fascinating to play this a year after Resident Evil HD because it was also the last of the classic Resident Evils. It was, it was the bookend where Capcom put this out on GameCube two years or three years, actually, before Resident Evil 4 came out. And it was, like, you could tell that they wanted to do something more with the style. They wanted to find another way to experiment with having two characters. Because that's, like, the defining thing in all the old Resident Evil games. It's always an experiment with how two characters interact. In the original game, it was, you could go through as this character who has more inventory but she can't use these super powerful items, or you could be this guy who has, you know, only a few item slots, but can carry these super awesome guns. And then in two, it was the zapping between the two campaigns back to back. In three, it was like the more action-oriented guy that you had to help as you move through the city, and so on and so forth. In Resident Evil Zero HD, you have two characters that you're playing as simultaneously at all times, and you have to switch between them. And the way the inventory system works in the game is you only have what you're carrying. There are no item boxes to store things. Mm. And if you need to shuffle things in your limited inventory space, because between the two characters, Billy and Rebecca, uh, you, you have to just leave them in a room. And so I was when I started playing this game, I hadn't played it since it originally came out in 2002, and I really walked away from that version hating it and being, like, done with Resident Evil until 4 revitalized the series. And I was like, you know, why? Why did I hate it? It just, like, it fell out of my head. I couldn't remember. And, repl- like, replaying this version, everything that's great about last year's Resident Evil HD is great in this game. The control is awesome. They streamlined it in a lot of ways. It's much easier to exchange items between the characters now. And when I started, I was like, this is goofy because, like, the main bad guy looks like a rejected Final Fantasy villain. And he's, like, wearing, like, this long white cloak and he stands on mountaintops and is like, (laughs) and, like, throws leeches at people. Like, like, he's a ridiculous villain. (laughs) You just don't like. Yeah. But that's what it's like. That's like that, imagine that in Resident Evil. And, and so, like, it's goofy, but it rules at the beginning. Like, the first third of the game, first quarter of the game, really, is you're, like, on a train, and it's very cramped, and you sort of have to really think about, oh, well, I'll send this person to this spot and this person to another spot, and they can exchange items through, like, a dumbwaiter, and it's really cool. And I was like, maybe it was just how awkward exchanging items between the characters was in the original and the fact that, like, long loading times. Maybe maybe it was just technological limitations that I didn't like this game. But there's a twist. What was that, Luddy? Is there a twist? But there's a twist. There, There isn't... A twist. That's the problem with this game. Oh no! Once you get, once you get past 
the train, you go into a a, a, a freaking mansion. Of course, you another do. mansion in the Arklay Mountains, which is where they trained uh, Umbrella employees before they went to the other mansion in those mountains. <laughs> this ga- this whole it's game prime takes place mansion territory. Mere hours before Resident Evil One. That's when this story is taking place. Uh, so yes. Two mansions explode in those woods <laughs> in the same morning. You'd think somebody would notice, be like, "Holy shit, there are houses just blowing up in these woods," but nobody notices. Uh, you, once you get to the mansion, the environment starts to become really drab. It's a very sort of paint by numbers Resident Evil environment, and like there are no, you know, part of what makes those early Resident Evil games so wonderful is how idiosyncratic the environments are. You know, like when you find the guardsman's room in the original Resident Evil and he's left a note behind of what, like that chronicles his descent into zombiedom where he starts and he's just like, this is a weird place to work. I have to put a diamond in a door. And by the end, he's just like itchy, hungry. Like the environment is so cool and the environment in Resident Evil Zero sucks. And it just continuously gets worse. As you get into the back half of the game, you're just like in this blank, drab facility, and you're constantly having to abandon crucial items to your progress in like a a full map away from you. And so you're constantly having to go back and forth through these rooms where there's literally nothing. There are like five blank, gray-walled hallways that you go through in the back half of the game where you're in like, you know, the research facility where there's nothing. There's no enemies. There's no items. There's nothing There's nothing artful about the environment. It's just dead. And I was like, oh, man, this is rough. But it's awesome to have this game coming out after Resident Evil HD because, like, we're chronicling all of the things that the series was best at and then the series that was like the things that were worst about it on the road to the resident evil 2 hd remake it's really sad that that's not going to make the 20th anniversary the 20th anniversary uh, is march so but let me let me tell you a sad story about resident evil's 20th anniversary gift not only is it arriving two months late in may it's umbrella Core, oh, which is the oh, third-person oh, shooter. God. Yeah. Oh, God, um, awful too. Did you see the story about the, the Resident Evil 4 village being like a battlefield mm-hmm. in that game? Who wants this game? Like, Nobody. I, I, I completely understand, okay, you've got a franchise that's been around for 20 years. It has lost its potency. Uh, that started with Resident Evil 5, and it's just kind of gone downhill since then. And it's it's got Silent Hill Syndrome at this point. They've yeah. got this incredibly well-known, valuable franchise that's creatively stagnant. They don't know what to do with it. I get that. <laughs> it's an immensely difficult task to pump life back into that shambling corpse. I respect the challenge of that. Nobody wants Umbrella Corps. Stop Nobody. it. Also, and, like, not only that, they've already tried this. Like, the audience has, like, people are always like, well, the audience votes with their wallet. The audience has already voted with you know their what? wallet. Give us a Resident Evil cart racer. That will go over way better than Umbrella yeah. Corp. Also, just call it Umbrella Corpse. It's right there. Right? It makes complete sense. <laughs> right there. Just do 
Also, it's I, like, I'll just put this out there. Give me a Hearthstone-style game with the Resident Evil Universe cards. Yeah. I'm in. Oh, that, that exists. Right, but, that exists. but it, was, it was Japan only. It was Japan only. Yeah, bring, yeah, bring it on yeah. o- Update it. Bring it on over. I'll play the crap yeah. out of People it. People would be into it. I, I just like... So Capcom just released their, their you know, updated sales data. Their, Capcom, like at the beginning of every year, always updates what of their catalog has broken uh, a million sales. And it's a fascinating list. If anybody is curious, go to Capcom's investor relations page. Just Google that. Because it, it goes throughout all of history, and you'll find out weird things like Mega Man X. Like, it was like way more successful than uh, Resident Evil 5. Stuff like that. It's really interesting. Uh, but they, they flat out said, like, in the past three years now, four years, they've had monumental successes with Resident Evil. And the monumental successes were Resident Evil Revelations, Resident Evil Revelations 2. You mean Revelatons. Revelatons. Have we ever explained why we call it Revelatons? Not on this show. (laughs) Not on this show. Well, all right. So just to fill in the audience, in case you don't know why we constantly refer to it as (laughs) Revelatons. Oh, God bless them. The, The name of the game is spelled incorrectly on the spine. Of the, of the 3DS original. version. Of the yeah. 3DS yeah. version. It's not T-I-O-N-S, shuns. It's A-I-T-O-N-S, revelatons. <laughs> Things that revelatons. editors enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I still was... have my revelatons copy. Oh, I do too. <laughs> Me too. I have that, yeah. and I have the copy of Okami with the IGN watermark on it. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Yes. But so, like, like do you guys remember? I, I would not be surprised if you forgot but they tried to put out a multiplayer shooter in 2012. Right, right, alongside six. Raccoon, right? Raccoon City. Yeah. Oh yeah, Raccoon yeah, City. Yeah. Resident Evil Raccoon City. And it was a sort of like Call of Duty-ish, multiplayer-centric Resident Evil shooter. Do you want to know who went out and bought it? Nobody. Nobody. Because nobody wants a multiplayer no. Resident Evil shooter. And it wasn't- the audience doesn't exist. It wasn't even terrible. It was competent. Oh, no, it was terrible. It was competent. They had to recall, like, some of them because it was so buggy. Yeah. Like, that was, uh, like, the studio... God, I'm going to get this wrong. I'm going to get it wrong. I don't want to, like, give the exact quote without looking it up. Okay. But, I'm like, something horrible happened to that studio after they shipped that game. Oh, God, okay. Yeah, because it was a disaster in some way. Oh, dear. Uh, Man, I, I did not... Uh, I did not actually play more than the demo of it, mm-hmm. uh, but man, uh, it was Operation Raccoon City. Yeah, there, there it is by Slant Six Games, Ooh. and they did some yeah. of the SOCOM games on Vita, I think. Yeah, which were again weren't oh, terrible. Man. No, competent. No, no. Uh, oh man, yeah, I just Umbrella Corps. Uh, okay, so we, we've spoken about New York City. Yeah. Yep. And we've spoken about bad games. Yeah. Yeah. What happens when you put those two together? You get Lego Avengers. hey Yeah. I was going to say the third birthday, but oh, damn. Oh, yeah, no, also true. <laughs> so, I over, over the holiday, I played uh, Lego Jurassic World, which is an outstanding game 
and and your enjoyment of it, even if you don't love the movies. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you love the movies, you will just be tickled pink playing this game. But I mean, it's just a really, really well done game. But as we know, with the Lego franchise, you got the group that is really, really excellent. And then you got the group that is just terrible. And I don't know how they divvy up the work. But oh my God, it's just so consistently. It's like the even odds in Star Trek films. I mean, it's just (laughs) so consistent. And this game is awful. It is so terrible. It's confused. It makes really, really poor use of the property. Like I'm, okay, so the first level is the opening uh, fight in Age of Ultron, which if you'll recall uh, is, you know, they're all going through the woods and you've got that shot where all the Avengers are in the shot together and they go in slow-mo and it replicates that. And it's, it's what introduces you to Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. And it's a very, very frantic scene to have as the first level of your game when you're trying to teach people how to play. But it also lets you play as each of the Avengers. So it's it's a way mm. to, to do that. And I get that, right? It's like, hey, you're going to be playing this like, like look, you're going to be Hulk and you're going to be Thor and you're going to be Iron Man. You're going to be Captain America. And you're going to be Black Widow. And not for several hours. We'll get to them later. But here's our assurance that you will at some point be playing as these characters. And then it just, like, I'm playing as superheroes and I'm hating every minute of it. I'm not having any fun because Mm. it's just, it's so confused. It's so bad at telling you what it is it wants you to do. It tries to cram so much into the buttons. And now there's this huge emphasis on finishing moves in the combat. What? Yes. So, okay. So if you've ever played a Lego game, you know, you, you know, you beat up the bad guys until they explode and studs pop out. Great. And then, they, and then they flicker and they disappear. Except now, after you beat them up for a little while, you'll get a prompt to hit the, cir- well, on PlayStation, to hit the circle button. And that does this rather drawn out finishing move that varies depending on the character you're playing as. And that, the purpose of that is it raises your bonus so that instead of, you know, you're collecting two, three, four, five, six, seven times the number of studs. So it incentivizes you to to do these things in rapid succession. But two problems. One, the circle button also does one of your special moves and also interacts with the environment. So depending on where you are and what you're trying to do, you will probably end up doing the wrong thing because either a goon is going to come up to you and you're going to end up getting tied up doing this finishing move or you're going to end up, you know, you're going to try and do finishing move and end up doing your special move, whatever. It's not awesome. It is. But it, these, these heroes are wrestling with whether or not they're going to do the right thing or the wrong thing. Oh, it's, my. It's the narrative. Can I, tell you, that. <laughs> can I tell you what one of Captain America's special things is? Okay, so you know how in Lego games... The different characters, you you swap out with them because they have different abilities, right? Yeah, yeah. Thor can fly, Iron Man can fly, stuff like that. Captain America can put out fires. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This sounds sounds just so... See, now, like, this, this isn't, like, you're not describing problems that are uncommon to Lego games. Both the good ones and the bad ones. Sure. Like, like, 
you know, like in Lego Batman, it's like, well, you know, Batman knows how to use a fire extinguisher, but you can't put out that fire unless you've played for seven hours and Robin has his ice Robin outfit on. Right, 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 sure. But one of Tony Stark's special powers, wait for it, he's the only one who can answer his cell phone. Nope, get out. Yep, right? Oh, and, and, okay, obviously, so so as is the newer trend with uh, Lego games based on movie properties, they use audio clips directly from the movies themselves, and they try to weave it into the narrative as best they can. Um, Agent Coulson and uh, uh, um, uh, Maria Hill reco- recorded uh, audio specifically for the game so they they help piece it all together because I'm, that's how we know that's how we know how busy they are yeah exactly compared to the other people on the Avengers. yeah oh and um 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 agent carter did some uh new voice stuff for it as well and they really really do a great job i have to say they sell it really really well because i mean just taking clips from the movie doesn't really work very well in this particular case it's noticeable now obviously gwyneth paltrow is not going to take time out of her schedule to record new audio. And that's fair. But apparently she also wouldn't let them use audio from the movie because, oh my God, I didn't realize it was Pepper Potts until I got the notice, oh, you've unlocked Pepper Potts. Like, oh my God, that's supposed to, wow, her voice, she may as well have been talking like this. Because <laughs> that, that's how close it is. Hey, Tony. To Gwyneth. I know you don't like holding things or being handed things. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. I hate strawberries. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I under, I completely understand that they can't have her actual voice work. And that is fine. But you could have tried a little harder. You know, the, the, the very first, uh, on the original Xbox, there was a really good Buffy the Vampire Slayer game. Yes. And they couldn't oh, get... Yeah. There are two. The, two good Buffy games. Uh, I, I never played the second one, but the first one is, is really, really good. Surprisingly, shockingly good. Um, and true. they couldn't get uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar for it. And they got a really good stand-in. She wa- Yeah, the voice, the, the sound alike was very good. Like, you actually had to listen for a while to figure out it wasn't Sarah yeah. Michelle Gellar. Yeah. Uh, I, I just... I don't, why not just make the game with the old grunts and like... Yeah, like why not just do an original script or something? Yeah, or like, like just like, like people loved those first two Lego Star Wars games and nobody says a single word in them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... And that was so effective. Like, agreed, why not agreed. But do that? I get it because, it, I mean, in this instance... You definitely, you know, you have to figure the audience really wants to feel like they are real, like they're part of the team, right? Like they're in yeah. the movies. That's part of the wish fulfillment. That's part of the fantasy. The game does not provide that at all. If you're looking to be like, yeah, I want to feel like I'm in, I'm, I'm hanging out with Thor. You won't. Mm. It's te- like, it's not a fun Marvel experience. It's not a fun Lego experience. So... Skip it. Like, just don't even bother. There are so many other good Lego games to play. Like, really, really good Lego games. There's just there's just no reason to, to burden yourself with this. Man, that, I, I, I keep hoping somebody gives me an excuse to play Lego games again, and it just keeps not happening. It's called fun, dude. 
Yeah, I, I just, I like, I, man, it, it's been a long time since I played one and was like, that was great. I'm enjoying myself. Uh, I, yeah. Can I interest you in Lego Dimensions, which also comes with figures? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but you could play as Doc Brown and Doctor Who at the same uh, time. Nope. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, seriously? I've, try, I've tried it. It bummed me out, that game. Lego Jurassic World. I, you will love it. You will love it. Oh, yeah, it. You, you said that. You said that it's great. You said that it's awesome. Maybe I will try that one. I might do that. Like, even if all you I do is play through the Jurassic Park part of it, Yeah. do it. Just do, you'll, You will be delighted because, what, <laughs> I mean, you unlock one of the versions of Ian Malcolm is him with his shirt half open. I mean, come on. That's so awesome. That's so... Does it have the music from the movies? It... Ish, yes. <laughs> Ish? Ish. Ish. Close enough. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, so, it's kind of like the kids' pop is version. It just, is it just like, is it just somebody in the background going, So, did you guys see yesterday that uh, Peter Molyneux retired? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. For a whole oh, did you guys, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> so wait, okay, so I did I did miss now did his account get hacked? What actually happened? Yeah, so uh, we have a I was really happy with the way this headline turned out. We have a, it's from uh, our news writer Connor. He wrote Peter Molyneux's tearful retirement cut short by it being a complete hoax. Um and what happened was this this tweet out of nowhere came from Peter Molyneux and it said Godus will be taken down from the Steam store with immediate effect. Thank you to all those involved. One out of two. This is also the time I would like to announce my retirement from the games industry. It has been a long journey for me. Thank you. Two out of two. One more. Overall, my time in the industry has been bittersweet. However, my biggest mistake was Fable 3. It pushed me and my team to the limits. So, everyone was like, what? You know, you could you could hear everyone in the, in the industry trying to write an article about this real quick. Right. Um, but while that happens, 15 minutes later, uh, oh, my account has been hacked. You can tell because they know how to spell. I am not retiring, not closing Godus. So we learned that Peter Molyneux does not use two-factor authentication. <laughs> um, but what I found particularly interesting about this, particularly in just, you know, like, everyone was sort of, like, not surprised by this. It's It was a total peter molyneux move like he's just frustrated he's fed up mm-hmm. he's done understandably um and i thought the tweets were, were the, the fake ones at least were unusually on point yeah right like because godus has been super controversial like it's it's one of the the games that you know people are especially upset by how it went from early access and just failed to deliver on what it said it would and uh fable 3 was a really big turning point for peter molyneux because it was um his last game with uh, Microsoft Game Studios. And it was very notable for being uh, successful, but extremely buggy mm. and arguably damaging to the reputation of Microsoft Game Studios. Mm-hmm. So whoever tweeted these things, I feel was either personally, either personally knew him or was someone who, someone else in the industry who has been following it so close and would know exactly which three tweets would be very convincing. Right. So that's interesting to me. Although, wouldn't, yeah, you, wouldn't I, you say that the biggest failure was Fable: The Journey? Um, he wasn't involved with it. 
He oh, was yeah. Then. Oh, right, right. Yeah, that was just him. For me, it's just, he lied right to my face. Right to my face. Like, I understand that dealing with Peter Molyneux, you're never really going to get the truth. I understand sure. that. It's, it's you know, it's, it's the fact of dealing with him. But it's the bald face of, no, this game is not on rails. You know? Like, I asked him, I'm like, you know, it looks like it's on rails. No, this game is not on rails. That is a right. lie, sir. You have lied to me. <laughs> it's not on rails as you would define rails. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? <laughs> hey, I never played more than a demo of Fable the Journey. Ugh. But my only when I met with them in 2012 before they before the game came out, I asked. I was like, "Guys, it's a fable game. Is there drinking in this game?" And they were like, "You'll just have to play it to find out." Could you connect drink alcohol in Fable: The Journey? Not that I ever found them. No. Oh man! You know what really upsets me about that game, as is true with all fable games, gorgeous. Fantastic voice acting and good writing. Those characters were interesting. Like, I mm. wanted to have a proper adventure with them. Instead, I'm looking at a horse's ass. That's a bummer. Yeah. That's, yeah. Do you Did think you say bummer? Bum. Horse bummer. <laughs> oh boy. Will, will Fable Legends ever come out? Is that? A game? Yes. Um, but I think it'll be very different by the time it comes out. I have a, I have a bet. I will bet you it comes out on mobile. Oh, no. Really? I have a feeling. Oh, man. Uh, and it'll, it'll, what, will it be like a Microsoft Surface? I don't know. Exclusive? I don't know, but I... Windows 10 on the go oh. experience. Oh, God, no, Windows phones. Ow! Oh! No. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I think it's, it's like it's one of those games where it's like they have the idea and like most of the pieces, but it's like something is not working there. Clearly, because I because it was supposed to be out by now, yeah. and it's it it's it hasn't even entered uh, beta at this point. So I think yeah. there is some massive retooling going on there. I think probably to to make it more a bit like uh, the you know the original Fable games. Like I think what yeah. we have here is the umbrella core of Fable. It was it was supposed to be a launch window Xbox One game, I'm pretty sure. That was like one of those things that they showed off at E3 2013 and oh, was yeah. like, yeah, you know, shortly after launch when you're dropping Which makes me dropping all that money. It makes me wonder if what we played at E3 was basically created for E3. Oh, it's that's oh, entirely yeah. possible. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course. Um, so here at the the end of the show, I have a special special announcement. Oh, here we go. Which, if you've listened to a couple of episodes of the show, you'll realize is a big deal. Dun, dun, dun. I have completed Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh my god! Hey! Woo! God, that took some doing. I did say by the end of the month, and it happened. Uh, I just, it I really just kept happened. seeing your updates of like what chapter you were on next. <laughs> and then you were like, "Wait, how could the chapter numbers go that high?" I Exactly what I was like. Forty? What? Who puts forty chapters in a game? I I love that game. It's so good. Every I feel like there's like a part of my life that's missing now ever since I've completed it. Yeah, I like 
And I don't know what people are talking about, the game feeling incomplete nonsense. The ending is fantastic. Yes, not every single thread was tied up, but that is what Metal Gear Solid 4 is for. And also, like, like, do you not know how stories work? Like, you don't (laughs) have to wrap up every last dangling thread. That's not how stories work. Like, it's so... There are all these people I see on, like, Gaff and stuff saying, Oh, Metal Gear Solid 5... Chapter 2, you don't have to play it at all. Unfinished nonsense. Be like, do you not... Did you not pay attention to anything that actually happened in the game? Did you not, like, listen to when the characters were talking and they baldly explain what the themes are in the entire thing? Like, it's all there in, in the game. Like, it's not mysterious. It's not like... You've beaten the game and defeated Metal Gear. Skullface is conquered. And then a clown comes out and hands you a balloon. And the sky turns green. And they start singing Inagata DeVita, but backwards. Like, there's not, there's not some kind of grand surrealist ending. Like, bloody, you, when you got there, the ending is pretty self-explanatory and clear and awesome, right? Yeah, and, like, the game is, like, fully built around that theme. That's, you know, it kind of coalesces and then pops out at the very end. It's awesome. Um, I, I want to talk about one thing. One thing. Go for it. So if you have not completed Metal Gear Solid Five, here's where the show has ended for you. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening, but now we have to spoil something. Don't um, watch Terminator Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and Susan, you don't you don't care, right? Oh no, you can. You've you, you've spoil. read our many many features. I had to edit every single Metal Gear feature we published because we were all too scared of the spoilers. Exactly. But, um, at the end of the game, you learn that the person you have been playing as is not Big Boss. It is someone who has been positioned to be almost like a decoy, but you ended up embracing all of his philosophies anyway, and. <clears throat> I think, and, and, and I, this is something that I simultaneously understand and don't understand, is that when you get to that end point, a lot of people are upset because they feel like that what they've done and who they have played as isn't, it doesn't count, right? Like it's not, oh, it, I didn't really play as Big Boss, so I feel cheated, right? But the whole Bloody- point of the game is like, it's, you know, you have been someone who has helped Establish to a legend, establish a legend that couldn't possibly have been real. And in some ways, like you as, you know, the player in a game are, there, are helping to establish of- this fictional legend. And just because the fiction in the game said the person you weren't, you were playing was not real. It's like, it's all fiction. Like, I don't get why people feel disturbed by the fact that they didn't play the real fake protagonist in a game Bloody, you're like do you do you know out, what i mean you're leaving out an important part of the canon you're leaving out like that that it's not just like you're not just playing rando calrissian the entire time <laughs> uh it this is canonical with the original metal gear yes on msx but also and, there are there are so many there there are multiple moments in the game which and this is one of my favorite things about it there are multiple moments where they completely give this away Yes. Right? But because of 
all of your preconceptions and just how you sort of absorb the story as you play this game, you don't really question it. There's there's a moment where someone's uh, the AI pod scans you and says, well, you're not Jack. Right. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Or when they do a DNA test on Eli and they're like, oh, he's not your clone. Even though you know, having played the other games, he is definitely Liquid Snake. Yeah. So yeah. something is not adding up here, but you're just like, well, you know, I guess I'll just see where it goes. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, like the other thing is, is it's in the name. So I, like Hideo Kojima was very insistent when he would talk about it that he would he would be like it's metal gear solid v like it's metal gear solid v not 5 and not just because it's venom snake but because v is the name of the guy who you are controlling in this game and who turned out to be who you beat in the original metal gear what yes exactly so you the player are responsible for creating the boss Outer essentially heaven. of the next yeah. game that is so kojima it, right? And, like, so, like, it's also, like, it's it's doubly, like, I agree with you, Ludwig, that, like, the, the psychology of being like, that's a bullshit ending, I didn't play this real big boss, it sucks. Like, that, that sort of thinking is not unique to Metal Gear Solid. You see that response to a lot of games, I feel. Uh, like, oh, it didn't matter in the story. It's like, it's like for the same, it's the same thinking that makes people obsessed with the Zelda timeline. Be like, oh, now I can't like Ocarina of Time because it's the bad Zelda timeline. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shut up, you moron. But like, like, if you're a Metal Gear fan, how is this not what you want? Like, right. Don't, isn't this exactly what you want every single time to be like weird and convoluted and tying back to like an eight-bit game from thirty years ago? I, 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 why wouldn't you want that? And there's that cool scene where he punches the mirror, and he's yeah. inside the mirror. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it's so good. And like, like the final mission, like yes, what if there were, t- what if too many tanks? <laughs> like, what if tanks, but too many? Uh, like, yes, that happens at the end of Metal Gear Solid Five. But, like, the ending... Like, there, there are three big beats to the ending. Mm-hmm. Where you... Lay them out. You, you, there is the first beat, wherein m- most of your private army is infected with a disease, and you have to go into a quarantined platform and eradicate them yeah that's like that, that was a really shocking powerful a, a moment shocking and like 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 the kind of thing like it is just a gun-wrenching scene and it's so well done there is the final mission with quiet uh that involves like what is truly like the final boss of the game there's this very drawn out fight that's very very difficult and i actually enjoyed it i know ludwig you thought there were one too many tanks yeah i just thought it was uh, like a little it, it was a little too much, especially since some of the explosions can hurt you through walls, yes. which is annoying. Yes. Uh, but I like the way, like that ending is so well executed and makes what is such an outwardly ridiculous character cool. Like I love, love, love the ending for Quiet. It's it's 
Like, it's almost like Hideo Kojima was like, wait a second, I've been a predatory asshole this entire time. Maybe I should, like, give her the best story in the entire game. Yeah, like, it's just a... I mean, just to sum it up in a very general sense, that it's this is a character that cannot speak or she'll die. She cannot right. say anything. Right. And at the very end of the game, uh, the helicopter is trying to find you in a sandstorm, and they need help, and she decides she's well, going to... She- well, she's going to speak to them in English. Right. It's right. not that she'll die. It's that if she speaks in English to anybody else, they will all die. No, but she will also like, die. Like the the that's what activates them is speaking in English. It turns them on. Right. Inside right. her as well. So. Oh, I. I she's a goner. She just a carrier. I didn't. Oh no! She yeah, was... no, she's sacrificing herself. Oh my yeah, if god! Yeah, it makes it even better. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Damn. Yeah. Oh man. The game is great. <laughs> then, like, then there's the like the big like the epilogue. The denouement is is replaying the very first chapter of the game, but then realizing what has been happening behind the scenes and how you were manipulated. And it's just it's just wonderful. It's so fun. It's it's just so good. Why do people care about the Zelda timeline? What's <laughs> wrong with you? I <laughs> sorry, I'm done. I don't. I everybody could. I. Well, okay, look, here's the thing, bro. You and I have the same book about Resident Evil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We don't get to judge. (laughs) Damn it. Yeah, yeah. Plus, we're very protective of the Mario Kart timeline. (laughs) Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not start treading on sacred territory. Uh, did you guys know that Undertale is actually the ending of the Mario Kart game? <laughs> Surprise, everybody. Spoiler warning. Mario Kart timeline ends with the best game ever made. Can I- Game facts. Back of the box. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Mario, and because I'm looking at the box on my desk, Mario and Luigi Paper Jam? Fabulous. Oh, that's oh, good. It is. It is. Really? Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really, really digging oh, it. That endorsement will get me to play it. I'll play it now. The The last yeah. Paper Mario game was disappointing. The last Mario and Luigi game was disappointing. But this is fun. Like, this is genuinely just delightful. I think Sticker Star, Paper Mario Sticker Star, counts as a crime against humanity. Oh, yeah, totally. No, I it's a Hague like, offense. Yeah. yeah. Hague offense. Yeah. Hague offense right there. <laughs> but it's just for, for those of you who don't know so there's two different Mario RPG lines there's Mario and Luigi and then there's mm-hmm. the Paper Mario line and in this game uh, they merge uh, Luigi accidentally knocks a book off the shelf in Peach's library and all the Paper Mario characters come spilling out and they're all over the kingdom so 3D Mario and Luigi go off to try and collect all the paper toads who have gotten lost and paper Mario finds them and joins them. And so you join up with them and, and it's, it's a very, in much the same way, uh, link between worlds, very cleverly combined traditional Zelda with the, with the 2d effect. This does that as well. Cool. Very cool. Awesome. I, 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 you know what? I like, I, I have been very hesitant to play it because of Sticker Star yeah. and because I did not care for Bowser's Inside Story. Uh, I found it to be very sort of dull. Oh, God, and that's um, that's one of the better Mario and Luigi's. I know. 
But, like, the thing is, is I, I also recently played, I recently, just last year, played uh, The Thousand Year Door. Oh, it's so good. The first time. It's so good. And that game is amazing. It's really good. Like, so good. So, uh, I'm, I'm ready to return to Mario RPG Town, but, like, uh, I, I, I had some trepidation. And that's totally uh, reasonable, but I, I yeah. do think you'll enjoy this. Awesome. I'm in. I'm in it to win it. Are you ready to play us out with a social spiel? Everybody. The glockenspiel. What are you gonna do? You're gonna follow us on Twitter. You're gonna go to Facebook.com slash GamesRadarPlus. And then you're probably gonna come, if you enjoyed all that talk about The Witness, you're gonna go to Twitch.tv slash GamesRadar on Tuesday, February 2nd. As Susan and I attempt to play it together. Yeah. Uh, That's going to be. You're going to help us. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Yes. Please. Please come help us. Yeah. Please come help us play The Witness. And next Thursday, if you're very in- if you're a PlayStation 4 owner and you're excited about this mysterious game, Firewatch, that everybody is uh, talking about, Ludwig is going to be playing Firewatch with the developers of Firewatch in our San Francisco studio. So that's next Tuesday and Thursday after the recording of this. It's February 2nd and February 4th. Be there. Highly, highly recommend uh, coming to watch The Witness because that is the best way to figure out if if it's the game for you without having Mm -hmm. to spend 40 bucks on it. So at the end of our uh, stream on Tuesday, you will absolutely know whether or not that game is up your alley. Yeah, definitely. For free. Whether or not it floats your cup of tea. Yes. So should we go watch Terminator Genesis? Oh yeah, let's do. Let's do it.